All right, Christy, I'm setting up a salt circle and throwing holy water all over. I don't think we can be too careful. Oh, great. Salt on the carpet. Careful of what, by the way? We're talking zombies tonight, and frankly, I don't think we should be unprepared just in case we say something mean and antagonize them. Uh, Wait, I don't think salt and holy water works on zombies, does it? Yeah, I don't know, but it's better to be safe than sorry. Hand me that garlic knot. That was for defense? I just thought it was a snack. You have to use whole garlic anyway. It's all we had. Plus, garlic's for vampires. I'm covering my bases, okay? Hold hands with me. I'm going to try an incantation. Oh, great. Now we're chanting in the closet. Inside our home, our only hallowed nook. (laughs) Save our souls from zombie... (laughs) Bless you. Goodness. Sorry, allergies have been wild. Okay, hopefully that did it. We should be safe from zombie comics, periodical cartoons, and graphic novels. Wait, do you hear that? Oh, no. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Time to make the donuts. Ah! What did you do? My brand! Oh no, my coughing must have messed up the spell. Instead of warding off zombie comics, I've attracted zombie commercials! I'll call now. We are farmers. Bum ba bum 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 bum. I'll hold him off. You cast a spell. Back off. We aren't buying your crap. I have a structured settlement. But I need cash now. Okay, okay. Repelling zombie commandants, um, commissaries. Ah, okay, commercials. hey Save us from them, clever or bad. Unsubscribe from zombie ads. <sighs> that was close. And they ripped up my favorite PJs. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, Christy. And here I was just trying to make sure we didn't get attacked by the very normal and common problem of zombie comics. Honest mistake, sweetheart. All right, well, with that over, are you ready to talk about comics? Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earth. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to our first of two parts of our coverage of X Necrotia. Yep, I didn't realize it was called X Necrotia until recently. I thought it was just called Necrotia. Yeah, didn't we all, though? Didn't we all? They just like putting X's in front of things. I wonder if it's because it just it, sits on shelves better. Is it 10 necrotia? <laughs> That's too many! <laughs> yes, this is the very zombie-esque kind of themed X-Men crossover that came out kind of when zombies were at a pretty pretty good heyday. It was like 2009 or something. Oh yeah, that zombie heyday time. It was. That was... That was when we were playing Humans vs. Zombies, and we met. That is how we met, when we played Humans vs. Zombies in college. I don't know if we've said that on the podcast. I don't know if we have either, but readers, we were brought together by zombies. We were. Yeah. 
I got turned into a zombie really early on in the game. And, you know, being the theatrical person that I am, I, I did zombie makeup and took a picture. And that was my, my picture on the humans versus zombie website. And readers, I don't know if you've seen me. I'm real cute, but I'm even <laughs> cuter undead. So Chris was very impressed. It's true. I was very smitten <laughs> with you. You were known in that game as the hot zombie for a while. Yeah, I found that out after the fact, readers. He didn't lead with that. (laughs) (laughs) I am smarter than that. (laughs) So zombies have a a special place in our heart. Right, I feel like we really dropped off of them, though. Like, Yeah, it was... It peaked and it and it faded away. You know there is a new zombie movie coming out this summer on Netflix. A new zombie movie? Yeah, by auteur Zack Snyder. Hey. <laughs> it's got Tignataro in it. You like Tignataro? Yeah, but am I gonna like Zack Snyder's zombies Tignataro? I don't know. I don't know. But that is the most recent zombie themed media that I, I think is happening. Okay. But this was, this was really big at the time. The, like zombies. Uh-huh. This wasn't even like the, the only zombie crossover that came out like within a year of itself. DC did one too. Oh, so we were just really saturated in zombie content. We were. And it, it it's probably not that one of them saw what the other one was doing and copied. It, it's probably just, just like zombies zeit- were so culturally relevant. Yeah. It was just zeitgeist, right? Right. Zombgeist. I don't know. I feel like the reason prior to reading this that I knew anything about Necrotia was like anytime like I read a little wiki about a character just like learning about somebody, I'm like, okay, who is this person? What do I need to know about them? And they're like, brought back to life by Celine and Necrotia. And I'm like, this is a lot of people. A lot of people came back. Yeah, a, a lot of people do come back. Well, anyway, this uh, episode was not one we picked ourselves. This was a Patreon-requested one. Uh-huh. Much like a lot of the content that we've had recently, uh, aside from our Godzilla vs. Kong, which you voted for. Um, yep. We've had some some Patreon requests. So thank you Tons. very much to our patron. Uh, Gerald Kala, thank you. Thank you, Gerald. Yeah. And we have another patron to thank as well. Remember, readers, if you become a patron, we will shout your name out on the show, just like Garrett M. Thank, thank you, Garrett. Garrett. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're married. We're very married. <laughs> uh, but if you want to be like Garrett, you can head on over to patreon.com uh, and check out our levels there. We've got some different tiers of rewards for you. Um, but we... At the very least, we will we will shout out your name on the show. Right. And we 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 are like somehow they just all hit at once. We have Patreon episodes scheduled till I think at least June. It's um, a lot of content. It's a lot of content. Yeah, but this is part one of two of Necrotia. So are we ready to like dive into this zombie content summary? It's a big one. Uh we're doing six issues today, so summary. Ex Necrotia number one, written by Craig Kyle and Chris Yost, art by Clayton Crane, all parts lettered by Corey Pettit, all parts edited by Janine Schaefer and Nick Lowe, backups written by Zeb Wells and Mike Carey, penciled and inked by Ibram Roberson and Lawrence Campbell, and colored by John Roach and Matt Mila. Celine and her death dealers, a group of mutants chosen for their ability to kill, prepare for Celine's ascension to godhood as they plan to use the techno-organic virus, modified, to resurrect dead mutants and use them as an army. 
Blank, under Celine's command, teleports numerous zombified mutants onto the X-Men's home of Utopia, where they disable Danger, the sentient robot who is in control of the brig, keeping its inmates under virtual reality. This causes said inmates, including Hellfire Club member Sebastian Shaw, to awaken, only for him to come face-to-face with his deceased son, Shinobi. Uh-oh. The future sentinel Bastion looks on, having spied through the eyes of Shaw's companion Donald Pierce. He notes the techno-organic virus in the dead mutants, which means he needs to accelerate his timetable. The X-Men, specifically X-Force, start to ascertain something is wrong as Emma Frost's deceased Hellions attack her, and Celine wants vengeance against her. The X-Men, specifically X-Force, start to ascertain something is wrong as Emma Frost's deceased Hellions attack her as Selene wants vengeance against her. X-Force and Cyclops also join the fight. As this occurs, Selene and her Death Dealers take over the New York location of the Hellfire Club. Wolfsbane, previously injured in a battle against Frost Giants, is taken by her current beau, Himhari, a literal Asgardian wolf god, as well as Warpath and Angel, back to Utopia to seek care. But their plane is struck by lightning, and they are attacked by Pyro and Berserker, also thought to be dead. And after resurrecting Caliban, who has mutant-finding abilities, Selene arrives at Genosha, tomb to 16 million mutants, and she christens it Necrotia. Backups. In the first story, Doug Ramsey is resurrected, being told to obey over and over again. He and the Hellions infiltrate Utopia, using his linguistic abilities to hack the security. However, instead of going with them, he makes a detour to attempt to kill Magma. In the second story, Selene resurrects Destiny and demands to know the future, and Destiny tells her what she wants to hear. She'll ascend to Godhood. Destiny then tries to send a message to Rogue on Utopia, but finds Blindfold, another clairvoyant, and gives her a message, but then seems to fear she's done the wrong thing. New Mutants, issues 6 through 8, written by Zeb Wells, penciled by Diogenes Nevis, inked by Edgar Tegeo and Diogenes Nevis, colored by John Rauch, and lettered by Joe Caramagna. New Mutants, number 6. After frustratedly lamenting to danger, I guess this is before the big break-in, that he can't assist in his son Legion's rehabilitation, Xavier is greeted by the new mutants as zombie Doug creepily looks on from the window, interpreting all their body language. A competing signal to Selene's starts to surge into his mind, but the Selene signal prevails and he continues on his mission. After Magna goes back to her room, Doug surprises and attacks her with a pipe before dragging her before the other new mutants and apologizing that violence is a new language for him. They fight, and Doug uses his language powers to fight with never-before-seen ability, as he can read and interpret all his friends' moves. However, Karma uses her powers to possess her teammates, which reads to Doug as gibberish, and they knock him off a balcony with Cannonball giving chase. Sunspot tries to call a medic for Magma, but their comms are offline. Suddenly, Warlock appears with both Cannonball and Cypher, demanding to know why they fought his best friend. He figures out malicious code is in Doug and tries to interface with him, only for the code to attack back. Doug also fights back, eventually brutally tearing Warlock's head off. Yikes! Issue 7. Doug tosses Warlock's head into the ocean and turns towards his former comrades. He starts to become internally conflicted as Warlock's benevolent programming tries to counteract the T.O. virus. 
But then the devil appears and taunts Doug for coming close to Warlock. Oh, wait, it's one of Taro's constructs. Oh, cool, the Hellions are here. A fight starts to break out with Danny Moonstar accidentally bisecting Jetstream with a suddenly closing door. However, he's a zombie, so he's doing just fine and grabs Doug, saying their queen needs him. As the new mutants retreat via magic stepping disc to get Magma some help, Doug screams at Sam, what language am I? They teleport to the middle of the battle outside, with Colossus quickly explaining the situation mid-beatdowns. Sam orders everyone to split up, with Shan and Ilyana joining him to get back Doug, since the Hellions seem to want him so badly. He tries to fight against the Hellions, who are trying to purge the Warlock programming. And on the ocean floor, Warlock's head stirs. Issue 8. Warlock emerges from the ocean having bonded with the biomass of a crab. Sunspot and Danny rush magma towards the infirmary, but hot on their trail is the resurrected Feral. Danny offers to be a distraction, but accidentally seals the wrong door and is sliced by Feral. Sunspot joins the fight, accidentally ripping Feral's arm off. In a strange feat of ingenuity, Danny chucks it off the balcony and Feral leaps into the ocean to attempt to get her arm back. The Hellions think they've purged the foreign code from Cypher, but suddenly Roulette starts to act strange as Karma tries to take over her mind, but the T.O. virus makes it difficult. They have a massive fight with Karma's abilities only being so effective, but magic's easily dispelling Tarot's constructs. Warlock shows up, asking for help with malicious code, which prompts magic to jab him with her soul sword, purging him of the Selene virus. Sunspot and Danny arrive at the infirmary, where Dr. Nemesis gives Magma a serum that excited her ex-gene, causing her to assume her magma form and heal. The Hellions decide they're going to kill Doug to prevent his friends from having him, but Warlock appears with two drones that he'd been pals with, who sacrifice themselves to blow up the Hellions. Warlock asks for Ilyana's soul sword, and he jabs it into Doug, purging him of Selene's influence. Doug's friends all arrive just in time for him to say, You all are my language. Aww. X-Force issues 21 through 22, written by Craig Kyle and Chris Yost, art by Clayton Crane, letters by Corey Pettit, edited by Janine Schaefer. Issue number 21. Telford Porter, after a wild night, wakes up feeling ill and assumes that during his time with X-Force, Elixir gave him a brain tumor. So he teleports to Utopia to get it fixed, only to appear right in front of Tarot's death construct. He is narrowly saved by Cyclops as the fight rages, with Warren figuring out that all these zombies are in fact resurrected mutants. They all try to get Rain to safety since she's still injured after all. Eliphas, Selene's crony who controls the T.O. virus, notes Cypher is no longer under his control, and she demands the Hellions go snag him, as we saw in New Mutants. This means Jetstream shoots Wolverine up in the air only to leave him to fall. Uh Uh-oh. Banshee and Risque. Former friends of our heroes join the fight, seemingly trying to fight their programming as Himhari finally gets rain to Dr. Nemesis's lab. In the brig, the deceased Harry Leland is attempting to crush Elixir with his mass displacement powers, but Danger adapts and deploys her countermeasures. Back in his lair, Bastion begins to detect something strange as Eliphas uses his abilities on Genosha and the mutant population begins to starkly rise, an army for Selene. Issue number 22. As mutants begin to rise, many of them do not have their powers lost to M-Day as we saw in House of M. Selene doesn't seem to mind, though, as bodies are bodies. 
As the battle rages, Warpath figures out Eliphas Bard and Selene are behind this, as even his own tribe was dug up. Dr. Nemesis sedates Rain, but during the examination notices her heavily bruised abdomen. She's pregnant, and the baby is killing her. Cool, one of these stories. Hrimhari cries in anguish, and the goddess Hela arrives, heeding his call. Bum, bum, bum! Selene directs her zombie servants to build a city for her, and demands that Eli grab a blade to prepare for a blood ritual that will allow her to ascend to godhood using those that he's raised. Eli privately talks to Blink, asking for her help because, long story short, Warpath has the blade they need after Eli accidentally left it in a guardian spirit's throat at the sight of Warpath's tribe. Blink immediately rats him out to Selene, and Selene demands her death dealers take the blade. The X-Men prepare to retreat to make a planned counterattack, only for Blink to teleport the Death Dealers in. All right, Christy. That was a doozy. That was a lot of issues, but it didn't quite feel like a lot of issues when I read it. No, this is, uh, in t- I feel like 2008, 2009 is like peak time of decompression in fact some of those uh the x-force issues and the x-force sort of portion of the the original x necrotia one shot felt like really stretched out like i'll just like a lot of scenes of people punching or like throwing people or it was really hard to tell who was punching though because x-force as we all know lives in a land with no sun well this run of x-force lives in a land with no sun the original run of x-force is all in neon colors (laughs) okay yes this particular run of x-force is so dark it is very difficult to tell who is who in fact, Laura looks so much like Celine because everything is just sort of the same sort of look, so very dark. I was like, I I know there's claws here. This is not Celine, but also this looks just like Celine. Right. Well, you know it's not Celine because there's not the uh, gratuitous backside shot. <laughs> <laughs> just the same sort of sunken eyes and and vacant expression. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting how the artist for those issues is Clayton Crane, mm-hmm. who some people are apparently big fans of. This is the same art. We, we've covered him before mm-hmm. when we did Messiah War, which is like the, in some ways, kind of a sequel right. to Messiah Complex. Oh, gosh. I'm, just, I'm, I'm not a fan. Just not a fan. Not a fan. There's some bits that work to me, work for me, but I'm too, I'm taken too out of the story and also simultaneously not in the story. Uh, because it's just hard to tell what's going on. It's so dark. Yeah. It's not just like gritty dark. It's just <laughs> right. Like, like I, I was, I was, I think I was, uh, was talking to people about this and I was like, this is so dark. And they're like, well, yeah, it's a zombie story. I'm like, no, it's like, it's just, it's like hard to parse. It's hard to see what's going on. That kind of dark. Like sometimes there's shots in movies that you're just like, man, I don't know if I need to like turn up the contrast on my TV. It's just really hard to discern shapes and features and understand what's happening because it's so dark. And that's how some of these panels felt for me. Not all of them. You know, sometimes we can tell that there's there's moonlight or firelight. There's no sunlight. Yeah, there's no sunlight. Ever. This takes place at night. Always. It's I interesting, mean, though, because, like, contrast with the New Mutants are mm-hmm. very, like, a lot brighter. Yeah. Way brighter. It looks like a, a typical comic book. Yeah, it's interesting how the two of those kind of hit at the same time. It's nice that they're divvied off. Like... 
for the most part, that New Mutant story is is fairly self-contained. This mm-hmm. is not like a part one, part two, part one, or part three, part four, where you have to like sandwich these issues together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So not not like your Battle of the Atom. Right. Where that was literally one after another. Right. Which I kind of appreciated because I was able to do, like we did in the summary, the whole New Mutants arc and then do the X-Force arc, or at least the first part of this yeah, story will, that we're covering There will here. be more X-Force and then X-Men Legacy kind of hops in. Okay. We are done with the New Mutants portion, unfortunately. But um, it kind of wrapped up. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a good little bit. I mean, it's honestly what I wanted to see more of from like a zombie story in X-Force. And I know that's not like, that's not the book that X-Force was, but I feel like in X-Force, we see that there are lots of zombies attacking other groups, other teams. And we don't really get those stories. We just get, oh, look, there's zombies here and here, and you get a zombie and you get a zombie and you get a zombie. And here's all the people that were dead. So many, boy. Yeah, I have to admit, like, I don't, I don't know if it originally started as an X Men idea or just a Marvel idea. Mm-hmm. But it's, it, you know, you sit down and you're like, which property is the most like dead friends? Oh, it's the X Men. It's like 100% <laughs> right, right. <laughs> There's like nobody. Like, stick doesn't work for the Avengers. Like, if an Avenger dies, they just come back, like, in a couple of years. Right, but like really early on in X Men, Thunderbird died, mm-hmm. and uh, like. You know, Doug died during New Mutants. Apparently, Doug was killed off mm-hmm. uh, in 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 some small part because people just like complained about what is this dude who has language powers doing? Right? They just team? they just hadn't figured out how to. I remember talking about this. Did we talk about this with Everett? No, uh, we've I talked about so. this before, and I can't remember who we discussed it with if it was the guest or not. Uh, but. We've talked about this before, that Doug just wasn't that interesting. We hadn't reached, like, the age of the internet where, like, any language, language can be computers. Right. And you could tell Zeb is trying to make his powers more amorphous and cool, Mm -hmm. where it's like, everything is a language, so suddenly now Doug has learned, like, (gasps) Matrix-style kung fu. (laughs) (laughs) Violence is language. Uh, Okay, Zeb. Hmm. We'll give you this because it's the rule of cool, but I don't know. I don't know about that. <sighs> but I, I think I think this is the favorite, my favorite Doug story I've read ever, and that is even Doug is wife guy. You because yeah, you are current on X Men comics, uh-huh, for uh huh. For the most part, f- for the most part from the Krakoa era, yes. And Doug does have a large wife now, and I love that, and I'm here for it. <laughs> but also. You like Doug being friends. I like that this New Mutants is is like, it is it is kind of a nostalgia play because mm-hmm. they were just like, y'all remember these these '80s stories with with your favorite mutants? We're gonna bring them all back. We're gonna do it. Mm-hmm. But they're zombies. Well, this is like what issue like it started without Doug. It started with everybody but Doug. But then I feel like Necrotia happened and Zeb was like, how do I bring back Doug? I just want. I just want Doug in this story. <laughs> I just want Doug. Because uh, I think... Teach me how to Doug you teach me. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this was that time, too. Yeah, the Dougie was, was <laughs> somewhat close to this. It was. Uh, I'm sorry, readers. Do you think there could be an X-Men story that's teach me how to, comma, Dougie? <laughs> Delightful. Teach me how, capital T-O, Dougie. <gasps> like Tugged of Organic? Yes. Oh my goodness. 
I'm very clever. You're ex- exceptionally <laughs> clever. Just the absolute. You're you're definitely the 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 cleverest member of this podcast. I speak clever. Clever is a language that I know. <laughs> you all are my language. <laughs> that bit I I thought was a little straight. Like that that line's great. Cool line. Mm-hmm. The what language am I? I'm like I don't understand. That's not something Doug really said before. I guess. Sure. Let's go for it. Right. I mean, in the context of this story right here, where as he's coming back to life, he's contextualizing literally everything as language. The way people move and interact, interpreting their gestures and reading essentially their subtext. Suddenly, subtext is a language. Right. Yeah. And so he's, it's like this reacquainting with the world and trying to make sense of it through language in some sort of orderly fashion. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't make sense. And his language doesn't make sense. His code's all messed up in his head. Right. I I get it. It spoke to me. Oh, okay. I did love the bit where he's looking in the window and we're seeing what everybody's saying versus what they mean. That's a great scene. That's real, like, comic book-y, right? Like, that's not something that that would work the same way in a movie. Mm-hmm. You'd have to do like a what women want sort of thing. I mean, I've seen it done theatrically quite a few times. Like with a like with an uh, like an aside. With with an aside or with a, a separate like actor who is the inner thoughts. Right, which which is the way you would do that on stage, but there is something that that is you can really only do that way with comic books, which is to not lose any of the visual. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to have somebody like literally talking right. to you. I I mean, it's like the the scene we love in in they pulled it off in Spider Ver- Spider Verse with "Why is the voice in my head so loud?" and we had all those text bubbles and all of those things, and we right. saw all those inner thoughts. Why is the but- voice in my head so loud? <laughs> I I mean these aren't these aren't inner thoughts. These are these are the things that they're feeling and not saying. Right. Where like maybe not even a conscious thought that they're having, mm-hmm. but that is what their subtext is saying. Yeah, it's 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 real cool. I love when bits can only work in a comic book exactly the way that like you can do analogous bits, but mm-hmm. th- this is like the perfect like this is this is something you have to do in a mm-hmm. visual in like a, a visual static medium. Mm-hmm. So to me, the New Mutants arc felt like something that was still probably very true to the book at the time that just incorporated the weirdness that is Necrotia. Will and and giving it an added depth to the story that was already happening uh-huh. without being like, all right, what sort of weird zombie shenanigans can we get up to? Yeah, this definitely seemed like a hey, while we're doing this, can I do this? Rather than like a hey, you are forced to, right? Come up with a zombie subplot. Mm-hmm. What's nice is I don't think either of these feel that way because I feel like Kyle and Yost came up with the idea. Mm-hmm. And then they they got to write it in their main title. We'll see how Mike Carey handles it mm-hmm. for the X Men Legacy. But Zeb just kind of like seems like he just kind of snatched snatched a little bit off mm-hmm. to sort of do. His this own is thing. how I can make it work well for the story that I'm telling. Right, and it's really cool. Like because Doug, like no spoilers, Doug stays around after this, and mm-hmm. I don't think any of the other mutants really do. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody does, but Doug stays around because Warlock, you know, cured him. Right, and he'd already been like effectively brought back to life right with what we know about the way that souls and consciousnesses work in x-men comics i don't understand it but that's fine you you don't you don't have to you don't have to i do love that warlock just shows up out of nowhere and he's like hey why y'all hurting doug 
they're mm-hmm. like, Doug's a zombie. And he's like, oh, I don't think so. And then he's like, oh, no, Doug, Doug is a zombie. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's great. It's yeah. great. Now, I don't know a ton about Utopia in yes. general. Uh, I can explain a little bit because okay. I uh, Utopia started when I was re- heavily reading comics and um, I was kind of reading X-Men at the time. Mm-hmm. I was not reading this New Mutants run because I had zero nostalgia for it. Right. That makes sense. Um, but uh, Utopia was like sort of a precursor to Krakoa where Asteroid M, which was like one of Magneto's bases, mm-hmm. like they brought it down into the ocean mm-hmm. and they just decided to like set up shop there off the coast of San Francisco right. and make their own little mutant home. And it there. ends badly. It does end badly and it ends quickly. And it is not, it is a place, it is not magical in the way that Krakoa mm-hmm. is kind of magical. Is Utopia around in Avengers versus X-Men? Yes. Okay. I, so. I thought so. I thought so. I'm like, I've read other things. Oh, maybe it is long. It was around for longer than I thought, but it does end. And I, I don't remember exactly how, uh, sorry readers. I, I mean, Obviously, it's not very pleasant because, you know, beginning Krakoa, everybody was very skeptical, like, oh, another one of these, another island for us. I do like that that was addressed uh, because, yes, it is. Right. Like, they've done it. They've done they've done the school in limbo. Like, they've done a million, like, let's get the mutants somewhere mm-hmm. else. Genosha and There was Utopia. a rumor for a while, Christy, after Secret Wars, mm-hmm. which we recently read. Yes. How everything started all over again mm-hmm. because they canceled all the comics and restarted. Yes. There was a rumor that the X-Men were going to be on their own planet away from Earth. Mm. And that I think the rumor at that time was still maybe that Hickman was writing it. I can't remember. But the the rumor was they are going to be on a planet called Planet X or something. And everybody was like, I don't like that. Like the point of the X-Men is that right. they're on Earth. Right. It didn't end up happening. But right. Like, it was, I feel like it was like. What sort of story could the X-Men tell when they're literally divorced from everything that makes them other? Yeah, well, we'll find out. Maybe, you know, there's that there's that new comic that's announced called Planet Sized X Men. What does it mean? What does it mean, Christy? You can't you can't completely take something away from its roots and and call it the same thing. Like you can you can take the roots out of the pot. You can transplant that baby, give it some room to spread out, but you can't hack it off at the stem and just stick it in the ground somewhere else and say, yeah, it's the same thing. It's That's not going to work. Well, we we'll either see or we won't. I don't I don't think that that anybody's ever going to do every single X-Men book takes place on another planet. Uh mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, there's been some X-Men books that temporarily take take place on another planet. There was a Cyclops solo where it was young Cyclops hanging out with his dad in outer space, but that's not all. That wasn't every book. I'm sorry, I'm really fixating on my analogy though because I think you can take cuttings from plants and have and like put them in water and have them sprout roots and then it can make another plant. And I'm really worrying about the fate of my analogy here. There's holes, I think. <laughs> now you there are taking uh, cuttings of plants and replanting them. Yeah, is that's totally de- a thing. that's definitely a thing. Yeah. Darn it. Readers, ignore my analogy. It felt really poignant on at the moment when I was making it I was it just going to let you have it. I was going to ignore it. No. But I was no. like, that's not you, okay. you got to correct my science. This is why I have you around. <laughs> that's the hilarious thing. <laughs> um, but it, are there other, like, I guess other background things that we would need to, like, really talk about? Genosha. Do you know what happened to Genosha? It blew up. <laughs> it did. <laughs> I can't remember who blew it up, but it got blown up. Cassandra Nova blew oh, it up. Oh, yes. We've read this. No, you haven't read this. Mm. This is from Morrison's No, mind. okay. 
Okay, so I'm remembering in X-Men Red where it, they come back and they address the fact that Cassandra blew it up because yes. I think they go back there. They probably do. Yeah. Okay, that's why I remember it. Th- there were like some sentinels that were in a jungle and Cassandra Nova grabbed a random Trask, you know, because the Trasks were the ones who <laughs> literally like a random Trask because she needs the DNA. Right. And then like is like, here, touch this. And then like it causes all the sentinels to go and it destroys Genosha, like had a population of 16 million mutants, suddenly zero. Right. So it was it was a pretty big deal. They like pulled Emma Frost out of the wreckage and that's where where her diamond form first came about. Wait, that that late? I forget that that 2001 is 20 years ago. <laughs> why why do you say that? <laughs> that was still like I mean, she's still been around for a decade or two. What she, she had been around out. roughly 20 years yeah, before that. So that so, was halfway through her history. <laughs> yep. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, Christy. Okay. Well, anyway, um, you might not, you might not have gotten the, since, since you haven't read the Morrison run, which is mm-hmm. fine. Um, there's the, the, the student who got pulled out of the wreckage named Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Oh, yeah. Emma, like, is carrying, like, her, her body at, in this, that first story. And it's like, she called herself Negasonic Teenage Forehead. Like, we need to save her. And they're like, Emma, she is definitely not alive. Like, she was like in shock. It was, it was a real tearjerker. But this is like her being resurrected as like, whoa, remember this character who literally, literally like showed up first as a, as a dead body. I mean, I like the, I like the stuff for Emma there, but I don't like that usage of kids as dead bodies for impact. True. I really but boy, hate there's it. tons of them in this. I really hate it so much. Emma's original students also all got killed by Sentinels. Okay. Okay. But that's different when mm. they are. They did have like personalities. When they are established before you kill them. Right. Weirdly, I think Negasonic Teenage Warhead has had some stuff since. And I don't remember if she's been seen on Krakoa. I can assume she's there. Everybody's there. Mm-hmm. You're there. We're recording right now from Krakoa. Mm-hmm. Uh, ignore the the sounds in the background from the the t- the Green Lagoon. Ignore the sounds in the background from the Green Lagoon. I still think they could should have called the Green Lagoon X forward, like ten forward from from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But that I don't know. That sounds like a no no of mixing. Yeah, it does. <laughs> of mixing fandoms there. X forward. <laughs> Maybe maybe if they did another Star Trek X-Men crossover, it's happened before. It has? It's in a comic book. And patrons, no one has requested this? I don't think it's very good. Still. <laughs> Still. Yeah. But did you enjoy the, the, the... I say enjoy. Did you did you find resonance with the Emma story where she is effectively attacked by her students that she failed? Gosh, yeah. I mean... Emma is already haunted by so many ghosts all the time. To mm. have it not be ghosts, but zombies that are physically there trying to kill her and, like, throwing this in her face. It's a lot. It's a very, very literal confrontation with grief. It is. It is. It's a whole bunch. And there's the bit where one of her students is like, Miss Frost, like, are are you... Like, are you doing okay? And she's like, yes, absolutely fine. <laughs> or something like that. It was... Uh. So Celine is the bad guy in this story. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the antagonist. Yes. And Celine has her beginnings in uh, 
Well, not her beginnings, but she was involved with Nova Roma. She was, and in Rome itself. Yes. Celine is the oldest mutant. She is older than Apocalypse. Right. Wait, did we see Celine die in something recently? I don't think so. Okay. No, that must have been someone else. Uh, maybe not recently, but Apocalypse killed off a bunch of other... No. Apocalypse killed a bunch of the externals. I don't know if he killed Celine. I don't think so. And then made them into a gate, you know, as one does. Right, right. I don't think he got Celine, though. Maybe he did. Was Celine there? Celine was there. Okay. I don't think he got her. <laughs> I recalled. You did recall. Where I saw her. Yes. <laughs> Correctly. Very good. <laughs> this is exciting. <laughs> well, anyway, Celine has to, like, take life force from people, but she also, like, lives forever. Right. So she's just like a vampire of life forces. Yeah, that's. I, I think that's her mutant power. I don't know. It's complicated. So Everybody's screaming at me right now, I'm sure. Uh, Amara is like her g- related. Gr- it seemed like it. I felt like it was implied that Amara was like her great granddaughter or something of some sort. Uh, Amara was was on Nova Roma when Celine was in charge of it. Okay. So maybe that is more she of was a like metaphorical. A they, they have a history. Okay. It's very antagonistic, though. Right. Yeah. I mean, they don't seem like they're... They do not like each other. <laughs> and so this guy, Eliphas Bard, who can control the TO virus, he is also from Rome, like 2,000 years ago, whereas Selena's from like thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. Right. And she tried to kind of convince him to do some bad stuff and uh, kind of accidentally turned him into like a vampire-like creature. So he lived f- forever after that, but has to like drink blood like a vampire but he's legally distinct from a vampire it's kind of complicated legally distinct did you say that there is a legal definition for vampires within the marvel universe but he's like i don't think he can turn other people into vampires you didn't address my question (laughs) i was just using a term (laughs) oh okay i don't think we can throw around legality all willy-nilly like that especially when vampires are concerned do you think there could be a property where there's two vampire lawyers and it's like so-and-so and so-and-so legal vampires. <laughs> I don't know. Jubilee had an office in uh, She-Hulk's building for a while while Jubilee was a vampire. So yep. we got pretty close there to some legal vampire. Hey, Christy, talk about your night court, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> 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 right. But the, that's kind of his whole deal. He can control the TO virus. We got, there's like a random appearance from Bastion, who's kind of like a weird future sentinel, kind of mer- like merged with Nimrod. It is weirdly unimportant for actually understanding the story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Celine wants to like basically take all these mutants and like sacrifice them for some blood ritual to turn herself into like a goddess. Right. Because living for thousands of years and having like unlimited power isn't enough. Being super goth. Very goth. Exceptionally goth. Skin that has never seen the sun. Yep. In a lot of her appearances, she's just kind of carrying a skull, and I think that's fun. Neat. Yep. Whose skull? Does it matter? I don't know. I don't know. I thought skulls were Mystique's thing. Mystique has the skulls on her belt. I think Celine tends to just like... Okay, so Celine's hamleting it. (laughs) I don't think she talks to it. It's like, you know, some people have like a gazing ball. Uh Uh-huh. Just kind of a gazing skull. It's her Yorick, and I'm not... I'm not accepting any other explanations. 
<laughs> I'm just going to start calling stuff my Yorick, like if I like it a lot. This is my Yorick. I knew it well. <laughs> I knew it well. I really love my coffee thermos. It's my Yorick. <laughs> Gosh, the more you say it, the more it sounds like a really like hipster brand. <laughs> Just imagining a brand of like really nice hiking water bottles called, called Yorix. <laughs> I knew him, Hydratio. <laughs> Glad that one got you. Okay, well, they're they're a fun little band of villains here. Yeah, so her her villains are literally like, she picked a bunch of mutants who are just good at killing things. Like, we get their description, it's like, kills them with whips. Like, (laughs) kills them with necra energy or something. And then also Blink, who just teleports. But That seems very useful. Oh, Blink is an incredibly useful mutant to have around i mean they sometimes iliana is used that way just to, just to like, teleport people around there is a, a real real complaint that the, sometimes Ilyana's just a taxi or like Ilyana's an uber <laughs> like, yeah that's that's a fair critique at times uh, Ilyana had a nice nice balance she only had to uber once i think in these three issues well and she couldn't take anybody to the medical bay because she's like i don't know where it is <laughs> it could turn out real bad guys <laughs> i got nothing here <laughs> Man, how sad is it for Blink that, like, Eliana can do everything that Blink does and more? Um, I don't know. Remember original Blink? Really sad time. She was all meek and then used her powers to, to like, like tear the, the phalanx guy oh. to shreds. And then, like, Banshee tried to grab her, but she was, like, in bits or something. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, Blink has a rough time. Also, Blink's apparently a real snitch. I like that Eli is, like... Okay, okay, Blink, don't don't freak out. I know she said that we need that knife, and uh, I, lo- I, I lost that knife. I, I don't know where it is. Okay, don't worry, I'll help you. Miss Celine! <laughs> Miss Celine! <laughs> Miss Celine! <laughs> was that one of your, was that like a student voice of yours? <laughs> he started it! He started it. Yeah, it was a lot, it was a lot like that. There's I also definitely like, had a he started it today in class. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Mm. But uh, I think Elifus had been part of this X-Force run for a while, kind of in the background. And like, yeah, like use the TO virus to, to resurrect Warpath's like entire mm-hmm. killed tribe. Not great. Yeah. He's a, he's a jerk. I don't like this guy. He also just kind of looks like a jerk. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're villains with very, undiluted villainous motivations like there there's no seeing things their way here it's not like some sort of good that they have in mind they're like we're bad and we're doing bad but it's worth it because celine's hot (laughs) celine is kind of a villain that is like very arch like i mean her whole deal is i just want to stay alive forever but it just i you know it's it's me or somebody else so it's gonna be somebody else Man. But it's not just that, because she also just craves a lot of power. I cannot imagine living through all of the things that have happened over the last few thousand years and thinking, yeah, I want to stick around for more. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But she's she's had a lot of moments of luxury, I feel like. Mm. 
she didn't experience the the hardships. I'm sure she's experienced hardships. Like mm-hmm. she was born in like a like a cave or whatever, right? Right. We get this very zoomed in, like like recently birthed baby panel that like is kind of grotesque. You you didn't need to bring that up again. <laughs> I, I don't like that page. I know it you is don't. so. It is so much. It's grosser than actual childbirth, a thing that you and I have both seen two right. times. Right. Right. Somehow there was still no sun, even when Celine was born. <laughs> Celine was born at night. <laughs> She's never gone outside. She's heard rumors of the sun, but uh, feels no need to confirm them. Right. All right. Are we ready to get into some accolades? I think we are. Accolades. All right, Christy, what's your best line? Okay, well, I feel like you're going to feel like my best line's real cheesy because we've already talked about it some. Yeah. But my best line is, you all, you are my language. Oh, that's mine too. And Doug, really? Yeah, it's a good oh, line. Oh, I was all worried that you were going to think it was too cheesy. I'm so happy. Daily Double, hit it, Matt D. Wilson. Uh, there wasn't really any funny lines in this. So I had to go for the heartfelt ones. I mean, I have a funny line, but it's my silly villainy. So we'll get there. Perfect. We'll get there. Doug, you good boy. He's so good. All right. Who is your greatest hero? I think mine's Warlock. Mine is also Warlock. (laughs) Daily Double again. Hit it, Matt D. Wilson. (laughs) You know, he just did a lot of good stuff. And he kind of died for a sec there. Yeah, he got his head ripped off. That wasn't great. No. No. Yeah. Good hero, Warlock. Mm-hmm. What about your coolest moment? When Warlock's a crab? War- crab Warlock is really fun. Uh-huh. My coolest moment is uh, Warlock with the soul sword uh, purging the malicious code from Doug. Oh, that is real good. Mm-hmm. It should not work for him. That's not how it's worked previously. The soul sword rules are make them up, whatever you want. <laughs> All right. What about your Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy? So uh, this is, I think we're going to have another Daily Double. It's the Hellions, at least two of the Hellions going, uh, no, we don't just follow Celine because she's controlling us. We think she's cool and hot. Yeah, it's uh, Bevatron and Beef yeah. who say, beef. <laughs> you're right. Where's the beef? <laughs> wow, you're right. Thanks for the freedom. Unfortunately for you, we like Celine. Yeah, she's hot. <laughs> It's like the most, like, frat boy, like, high five right afterwards. (laughs) Right, right. Okay, so our next accolade is the Key of C Award, which is the accolade that we give uh, to a moment or moments that we feel like would be most enhanced by a musical number. This is true. So, Chris, tell me your Key of C. Mine is the Hellions Confronting Emma. Oh. I thought it would be this cool moment where, like, the stage goes dark and, like, like we get like, what what are they called? Like the lights that just go straight down. Like like. I mean, it's a spotlight. A, okay, a spotlight, but not like a. A special. A special. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like just straight down from mm-hmm. like on high, and like we see one of them and sings, and like another one, and then like they all slowly kind of join in and like kind of tell Emma about how terrible a teacher she is, and she has some like real sorrow moments. Oh yeah, I feel a lot. I feel like my key of C is a little similar to that, but it's not, it's not the same moment. My key of C is I felt like in both the, the first and second X-Force issues that we read as part of this, we have, two, we have two 
double-page spreads, one in one issue, one in the other, where we just see a series of hero all the zombies that are coming back and terrorizing different people. Yeah. And it's like, for some of them, it's like really big, significant moments. Like, we have uh, Husk and the new X-Men versus Sink and Skin. Yes, who died like these terrible, horrific deaths. Right. Skin was literally crucified. (laughs) And I feel like... A lot of these could be really powerful moments, but they're just tiny little spots on a double page spread that's overwhelmed by a lot. So I felt like we needed almost like a musical medley, allowing each of these moments a little bit more time and space. It almost felt kind of lazy. Like, let's just pick characters that would be like really significant and then not actually explore anything with it. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's why, that's why I picked it for my key of C. A lot of times for my key of C, I like to pick moments that I really feel like need to be expanded. Either I have a really cool conceptual idea, like yours, yours Mm -hmm. conceptually with the lighting and all of that, that sounded really cool. And for me, it was just, I wanted these explored more. And a lot of times, you know, songs in a musical are a great way to explore emotional depth. Yeah. And I feel like that, that needed more of that. All right. Well, our next, uh, our next accolade is the Down with the Ship Award. Who do you ship in this, this here? Warlock and Doug. Yeah. Yeah. Daily Double. Third one. So hit it, Matt D. Wilson. Fourth one. Fourth one? Yeah. You didn't say hit it, Matt D. Wilson for the, for the, the silly, or S- villainy. <gasps> silly villainy. Okay. Well, Matt D. Wilson maybe deserves a break. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. Maybe I'll put it in. We'll see how I edit it. <laughs> so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And what about your goodest hit? Our goodest hit comes from Pyro getting smacked mm. in the head by Warpath's knife after like doing a taunt. Just like whoa, 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 whop. It's so good. Ah. Uh, uh. <laughs> I think it's Warpath's knife. It is not super distinct who threw it, but Warpath has these kind of like knives that he uses. See, yours is from an X Force moment where every hit I was like, I don't know. Something happened here. <laughs> someone's, it's real dark. Someone's doing a wallop. <laughs> so mine uh, did come from the New Mutants issue. It was um, Ileana, and I I was not smart enough when I chose this to realize that this was something from Tarot. What, but we, like, the devil shows up. It's Beelzebub. And Ileana gets him with the soul sword and, like, slices his whole body in half. I was like, yeah. oh, that looks really cool. And I'm like, oh, it makes more sense that that happened because he's, like, a construct. Yeah, Tarot makes these little constructs with her, with her tarot cards. How is that a mutant ability? Like, what if she never picked up tarot cards? Would she never know? Don't think about it too hard. It sounds like magic, not... Yep. Mm, I don't I, know. Yeah. Okay. Does it have to be tarot cards? Who knows? I like the tarot kind of showed up in X of Swords to explain some tarot cards. Mm. Thank you, tarot. I'm just imagining like tarot with like a deck of playing cards, just like summoning the, the king of spades. <laughs> or maybe the ace of spades. <laughs> I can't visualize what the ace of spades would look like, but I can visualize a very flat 2D king just just that's walk very back. scary to me for some reason <laughs> yeah it'd be terrifying it'd be great i think 2d things existing in a 3d space is just inherently unsettling yeah mm-hmm. it's cool <laughs> all right well readers we're covering this again next week the hits just keep on coming mm-hmm. the zombie hordes are unrelenting mm-hmm. and when chris says next week he means in two weeks because we are a bi-weekly podcast yeah we're a uh, we're bi- not a bi-weekly podcast we're a bi-bi-weekly podcast <laughs> Um, 
So in, in two weeks. So if you don't follow us on Twitter, follow us on Twitter so you can get in on those Twitter questions uh, and you can hear us answer them on the next episode. Yeah, uh, that as we do with all our wrap-up episodes. Mm-hmm. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Chris's Pod. We're also at Chris's Pod on Facebook. And if you want to send us one of those longer form messages, you can send that on over to Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com. How about you uh, send us some five-star reviews on Stitcher, on iTunes? If you hit us with one of those iTunes or Apple Podcast reviews, I guess, we will read it out on the show. Only if it's five stars, though. Yeah, sorry, that, them's the rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, but another way that you can help us out is uh, monetarily, if that is something that is fi- financially available to you. Uh, you can support us on Patreon uh, or on Kofi and links for both of those are in the show notes. We have lots of cool things you can get through the Patreon. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, for example, if you support us at uh, a particular level for long enough, you can request an episode like mm-hmm. Gerald has done, which is two episodes. What podcast lets you do two episodes in a row? We do. The Chris's. Just the Chris's. The Chris's. Uh, but also just talking about us putting our name out there um, in your spaces, recommending us to a friend. If you find us delightful, somebody else might too. It's true. We were recently recommended by the comic book couples counseling podcast, and it was just real mm-hmm. sweet of them. Mm-hmm. So if you enjoy sweet couple content, they are also they are also wor- there. They are also worth checking out. They comic are book couples far counseling. more popular than us. If you know about us and not them, I'm very confused. I but- don't know. I didn't know about them for a while. I thought we were the only couple out there. I thought nobody else coupled. Ah. <laughs> uh, I like that somebody who listens to this podcast discovered Jay and Miles through our podcast. Hey, it takes all sorts. It takes all sorts. You never know. We're, I'm thrilled they found it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, all roads lead to Jay and Miles. <laughs> certainly do. As far as the, by far the most popular comics podcast on God's green internet. All right. Well, thank you readers for joining us. And until next time. Slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours.